Welcome to Beyond Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Petralis, and we are so excited for our guest today. This is one that I've had circled for a while, and I think, you know, one of the most motivating and, and beautiful stories that are out there uh, today in high school sports. Uh, before that, I just want to give two little shout outs here. One, I want to wish everybody a happy Father's Day. Um, and I had an amazing day with my kids. Uh, you know, my wife was working, so I got to really spend the day with my family and go see my dad and see my father-in-law. So it was a lot of fun to be able to kind of enjoy the day. Um, and, and secondly, uh, you know, I want to give a shout out to Salvatore's restaurant in Medford. We, we cut our first main course episode there last week, and it was a lot of fun. We actually had the guest of having, or the honor, I should say, of having on the mayor, Brianna Lungo-Kern um, of Mefford, and she joined us for the last call segment of our main course. So it was really cool, um, and, and we're really excited to be at Razo's in Mefford next week. Uh, where we're going to be taping another one. We have a lot of places and we're really excited. We're, we're moving right along with it. So, um, but, you know, jumping into today's episode, as I mentioned at the top, a guest that I has just been like waiting to have on here, I think has a tremendous story and I just can't wait uh, for him to be able to tell it on here today. Over 30 years of coaching experience in the high school, you know, in, in Massachusetts, um, has an incredible resume being a part of successful programs as an assistant coach, including two Super Bowls with Whitman Hansen, uh, the 95.9 WATD Sportsman of the Year. Um, in, in my opinion, just one of the most hardest working high school coaches in all of sports, um, head coach or assistant that's out there. So we're really excited to be able to tell his story today. So uh, ladies and gentlemen, Ryan Cadris. Thank you, Anthony. Honored to be here. Happy yeah. holiday. Yeah, thank you. You too. I, I hope you had a, a great day as well uh, with your family. Absolutely. Uh, you know, my wife uh, worked as well and or she worked last night, emergency room nurse. So I had my seven and five year old uh, all day. So yeah, it's it great. It's the best. I had the, I had the two and a half year old twins today all day. And we just, uh, yeah, we went around. We went to see my dad, as I said, and, you know, my father-in-law. So it was a fun day. We had a blast. Uh, so I'm really excited to be able to spend the end of the day with you and uh, and be able to tell your story a little bit. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. So, you know, I, I love jumping right into it. And uh, one thing that really stood out to me in your resume, and I've had a few other coaches in the past on that have kind of had the similar experience that you had, is that your first gig, you were a volunteer coach for about 12 seasons, uh, Whitman Hanson for football, high school football. Um, and I know in the high school world, it's, it's hard. It's hard. It's a, it's a lot of commitment. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of work and to be doing it and not necessarily making a salary for it um, is, is tough. But I also know that it's one of the best gigs out there. You learn so much, you understand so much about the game and you grow as a coach. So I wanted to start off with that because I just found that so amazing about your resume. Yeah. So the, um, so, so my first, um, five years I was a team statistician for Whitman Hanson uh, football and basketball and it started when I was in eighth grade um you know you know so I have cerebral palsy which we'll we'll get into a little bit later but um you know I wasn't able to play football uh you know growing up I was able to play other sports like uh soccer and basketball and baseball but uh football was the one sport that my parents wouldn't allow me to play and I understand why um so I had the opportunity back in 1991 to start out as the, as the statistician for Whitman Hanson. And back then they were, you know, a powerhouse here on the South shore. You know, they, you know, we, you know, we won 13 straight league championships. Um, you know, 
multiple Super Bowl appearances, you know, a couple Super Bowl titles. And uh, so the first five years, you know, uh, as, as an eighth grader, then all through high school, I was, I was, um, you know, the team statistician. And, you know, I got to learn a lot from, uh, you know, legendary coach Bob Bancroft. And um, when it was time for me to graduate in 1996, um, I, I knew I was going local to Bridgewater State. I had a younger brother, Kevin, who was on the team. And I asked Bob, you know, hey, this is something that I think I want to do. I'm, I'm going to go into teaching and I want to coach. So do you mind if I stick around and, uh, you, know, you know, continue doing your stats and stuff like that? And he was more than happy to oblige. And uh, so about uh, 2005, uh, I didn't get a single dime. I mean, I got some cool uh, team swag. Oh, and team swag's where it's at, right? Where it's at. And, uh, you know, I was able to, you know, I, I was able to get two Super Bowl rings out of Whitman Hanson in uh, 1994 as a junior. Um, when I was a junior on the on the team, and then again in 2001 from an epic Super Bowl where we won on a last second field goal. So, um, but I learned a lot from you know Bob's staff, um, you know Bob himself, and then uh, you know his great assistant coaches uh, Pat Forbes, Kevin Regan, who is now coaching at Situate, um, you know uh, Rick Rodman, who unfortunately passed away right before that 2001 Super Bowl. Uh, Mike Driscoll, who's the head coach, you know, they're, they're all, um, they're all people that I've learned from. And I, you know, I told you a story the other day. I mean, I didn't think this was going to mount anything. Um, the first, the first, the, you know, the first game I ever went to 1991, you know, we, uh, was against BR. I walked into the locker room as an eighth grader and, um, my father brought me in. The only coach I knew was um, Coach Pete Husker because he was my Little League coach at the time or back back a few day, uh, years. And uh, Coach Bancroft would always schedule tough non-league opponent, you know, tough non-league opponents. And the first one right. was off. And uh, at halftime, I just remember going into the locker room. We were down, I think it was like 28 to 7 or something like that. And uh, he's like, anyone that's played over to the left, anyone that hasn't over to the right, and I, I mean, I heard words that I can't repeat on the air, you know? Um, and I was like, oh man. So I was kind of nervous, whatever. The following week we went to Severian. We, we got crushed again. And I would always sit behind Bob and he's like, let me take a look at your stats. And, uh, you know, I was new to this and he's like, Ryan, if, if we had the stats you have, we would have won the game by two touchdowns, you know? And, uh, and I went home that day and I said, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, Bob, Bob holds, you know, whether you're a coach or a player, everyone accountable. So, um, yeah, the first 12 years were, were, was, you know, definitely a learning curve. Um, but, and, you know, like I, I mean, I mean, we don't coach to get rich, you know, so, no. I mean, I learned a lot, you know, and it's not just about X's and O's, but how to handle kids and how to, you know, just motivate kids and, and, and I mean, for, you know, and, um, you know, I, I mean, Bob and Pat, yeah. 
know, it, you, you coached yeah. under a lot of great guys. I mean, you know, we'll touch upon another coach that you and yeah. I kind of have a connection with in a minute, but you know, I mean, Bob's no slouch. I mean, he had like 200 wins. You won two Super Bowls, but you went to another three. So a total of five during right. your tenure there as well. So uh, some pretty good talent, some pretty good coaching. And like we said, like you learn the most from that, especially being a statistician for me as a head coach, stats and numbers were really important because I felt like, you know, kids, as I've coached, kids change. And one thing that sometimes you have to can constantly work on is being able to communicate with kids. And what I've learned is that like social media and statistics and numbers are the things that kids look at now, because that's what professional sports is all about and collegiate sports is all about. So what you did is also really important in what you learned about the game that a lot of coaches never even think about because they're too busy doing something else. You're watching the game from a much different perspective. Would you say that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, you know, the first, you know, the first five years, like I said, I was a student. So like, I was just happy to be, be along my, um, you know, my classmates and, you know, I mean, my eighth grade year, I thought it was the best. It was, uh, you know, you know, Whitman Hanson was the thing to do on Friday nights. And uh, I was on the sidelines. We went to a Super Bowl. We won an ACL championship. And I remember, you know, going to school after our banquet in January, and I had an awesome league championship jacket that said Panther football on the back, you know, uh, with the big Panther paw. And I wore that thing to school as an eighth grader in the middle school that, that next Monday. And, you know, uh, kids are like, man, where'd you get that? You know, and, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, um, but as, you know, as I grew from college, you know, when I went to college and I, you know, decided to stay, stay on, um, you know, I, I learned a lot more and, you know, I went from being on the sidelines to the, I think the last three or four years, um, coach Forbes, who was our offense coordinator and was up in the nest, asked me, Hey, why don't you do your stats up in the nest? Because I could use another set of eyes just for like little things like, Hey, you know, what's the backside defensive ends doing? You know, did you happen to see the cover, you know, the coverage on that or whatever, and just things that I could maybe help them out. But it was a lot easier too, like being up in the nest because I'm not trying to fight for position or. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and those are key things. I mean, I I remember as a coordinator, like whenever we like were in cover three or something like that and they rolled out and, you know, I'd always tell a defensive back coach or somebody up in the sky, like, Hey, listen, see if we cover that backside post, see if we're covering that backside drag. Like I'm trying to watch the pressure and how we're taking on the rollout. It's hard to also be watching that small stuff to see, like, did we forget a coverage? The kid missed something like, um, so, so those things are, are, are extremely important and vital, um, when it comes to the world of coaching and, and that kind of brings me to my next point. So I know you've made a few other stops. I know, uh, you know, Pembroke, um, you know, you're at Situate now and in, in, in world of, of football and baseball, but I'm going to stick to the world of football for one minute. Cause I mentioned before that we have a coach that we have in common with one another. Now I was a head coach and a coordinator in the CCL for a pretty long time. Uh, and, and we would see Ron St. George at Cardinal Spellman. And I, when we were talking, there's a six-year window that you and I actually probably have crossed paths and met each other before without maybe even realizing that we had. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I've, I've been fortunate down here on the South Shore. I mean, I mean, there are some really good legendary coaches. You know, we, you know, we talked about Bob. He's got over 200 wins. Um, you know, Dan Buron at BR, uh, 
you know, Jimmy Kelleher and Abington. And then I get to go and coach, you know, I mean, I didn't coach for those guys, but then I go and coach for Ron St. George, who just decided to retire this year. And he's got close to, I think it's like 275 wins or something. And, uh, you know, you know, a lot of stuff that Whitman Hansen did back in the late nineties, Ron, Ron was doing as well, just different terminology. I mean, that was the hardest thing. Um, learning Ron's terminology. Well, I, I got to ask you that because listen, prepping against those guys, you get, there's like 35 sets. The, yeah. Some of them are the most unorthodox things you've ever seen. And then they do a ton of unbalance and then they have that backside tackle eligible. So then you got to prep your kids for that. What if they release the tackle down the field and who's like, it, yeah. it is just, uh, it's so crazy to prepare for. So when you say terminology, yeah, I can, I can imagine. Yeah. yeah Ron, Ron's, Ron's philosophy was, Try, try to outwork me. Ron is um, a great coach who watches a lot of film and he does a lot of good things, you know, like you said, on balance and he has like tackle eligibles out, at, out on the wings. And he, I mean, I learned a lot from him, you know, I mean, I, you know, my first two years there, I was the freshman coach and, and my, and I was the head coach, you know, for freshmen. And my, my, my goal was to just grab, eight different formations. So like, you know, so it would really be four different from, you know, formations, but left and right. So, so I grabbed four different formations that I liked and then grabbed a handful of plays. I liked. I'm going to be honest and Ron didn't like this. I, you know, I, I did put some Whitman Hanson stuff in there um, in some of my terminology that I learned from Whitman Hanson and Pembroke, because that's what I knew that would, that's what I was comfortable with. And, and uh, Ron and Whitman Hanson, you know, they were like, uh, you know, they bat, I mean, they were the two biggest, um, you know, when Ron was at East Bridgewater, they were the two biggest um, teams in, on the South Shore at the time in the late night, you know, the, in the nineties. And, and so he didn't like that. I used his, some of Whitman Hanson terminology, but I mean, I enjoyed coaching with Ron. Um, I learned a lot from him, you know, and I know he leaned on me a lot because I was the, I was the only coach in the school at the time. So, um, you know, I was doing a lot of the grunt work, which, hey, I don't mind doing. I mean, you know, I, what, you know, you know, like I tell kids, everyone has a role, even a coach, you know. Uh, I'm not a big title person. I don't want to be known as offensive coordinator or whatever. I mean, my title is assistant coach, and an assistant coach it is. And that means I have to get charts ready or whatever. That's what I did for Ron. I mean, Ron, Ron's the only head coach that I've that I've ever worked for that called both sides of the ball. I don't know if you knew that, but he called both sides of the ball. I always knew offensively. I didn't realize that defensively. I didn't realize that. Yeah. 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 And they were always big, physical, tough teams. It's just a tough team to prep for. So like you said, you're lucky to work under such great guys and really learn the game of football philosophy wise, X's and O's wise, but uh, also from a program building perspective. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's not about, and, and, and they're just great guys in general, put them away from the football field. You know, I mean, I mean, I mean, you being a head coach, you know how it is. I mean, you sit there after practice and you're just shoot, you know, you're shooting a breeze with your coaches and yeah. you're talking about family life. You're talking about football. You're talking about programs. You're talking about the you know good old days of, you know, back when this player, Hey, remember when this player, Oh, remember this, whatever. Yeah. And it's um, you know, that's why I do it. I mean, I mean, I started, as an eighth grader, I think I was like maybe 14 years old, 15 years old in uh, 1991 yeah. and here it is 2001. So, 
and I've always been connected somehow, whether it be a statistician or an assistant coach, like, uh, or a freshman coach or JV or, you know, I, you know, I might've took one or two years away just cause I had to, you know, just cause I had to like do some schooling or whatever, but I was always at games, you know, and that's, that's how like the whole situation thing started. What? Yeah. And to me, you know, just like kind of talking about that and you just mentioned it, like the the CP aspect, right? So you mentioned earlier, they are several palsy and I've been kind of waiting to, to, you know, mention that just because I think you've had such a great coaching career. I thought that that was great to talk about, but on top of having such a great coaching career, I mean, you've also kind of been doing it with, um, you know, a physical ailment, a physical disability, which can make the job a little bit tougher, um, and from, you know, from a physical standpoint, as well as a mental standpoint, uh, my question to you is, is you knew at a young age that you really wanted to be involved in sports. I mean, talk about when you just knew that, you know what, maybe I can't play the sport physically or being involved in the sport physically, but being involved in this as a young boy into a man is something I see myself doing. Yeah. So, um, that's a great question. And, uh, you know, I, you know, I've, you know, my whole family's in the sports, you know, um, you know, my father, um, was a great athlete at Whitman Hanson in the late sixties. You know, my, you know, my mom was always involved in our little league stuff. My sister ran track and she was a cheerleader and, you know, and, um, then I have a brother, you know, he's 18 months younger than me. And even though he's the youngest of us, I mean, he doesn't seem like my younger brother. I feel like I'm always looking up to him and he was quite an athlete. I mean, growing up, we, you know, you know, we grew up on a cul-de-sac. We'd be out there every day playing touch football or sometimes tackle if you really didn't like the guy next to you that day. Uh, and we played basketball and all that stuff. And, you know, I, I was able to hold my own and I played structured sports back then. There were no challenger leagues. There weren't challenger leagues for baseball. Um, I played baseball. Um, you know, I, you know, I coached baseball for a number of years, but I played baseball on, on the form of, um, California, you know, pitcher Jim Abbott, who also was on the USA team back in 1988. That's how I, that's how I um, played baseball. And um, so I knew I was, I'm, I was destined for sports. I mean, sports growing up, I mean, sports was around my household. It really got to about when I was like seventh or eighth grade, you know, I mean, I could, I could hold my own, you know, I, I mean, I can shoot a little bit basketball wise um, baseball wise, I wasn't a great hitter. I was an okay fielder. I bunted, but I understood the game and, uh, in football, obviously, you know, I, you know, like I told you, like, you know, I wasn't able to play. Um, I, like I said, my brother was a good athlete, you know, football here in Hanson started at that time in third grade and he didn't play his third grade year. And, uh, parents were like, Hey, can you get Kevin to play? Can you get Kevin to play? And Kevin's like, I'm not playing because Ryan can't play. And, uh, you know, I give them all the credit in the world. And uh, they came to me like, hey, Ryan, do you care if I, oh, uh, if, if, if Kevin plays, I said, nope. And that's how it started. And about seventh, eighth grade, I just really wanted to try it. My parents were like, no, no, no. So um, it just kind of formed in. So this, this that job opened up at the time. My sister was a senior in high school, was dating the captain of the football team, and they were looking for someone. And uh, he's like, I got a guy. And that's kind of how. And uh, it just kind of, and, you know, I played freshman baseball and I played some town baseball until I was 16. But then it was just like, hey, I know my time's up, you know. And uh, I think one thing about having a physical disability is, especially me, is knowing your limitations. You know, I, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't want to say I have limitations, but I do. I mean, everyone has limitations. I just think 
with me having disability, I might find out my limitations a little bit quicker than most people. I mean, some people will try out for a, a basketball team or play on a football team and they'll be like, okay, it's senior year. I haven't seen much of time. And, and, you know, I give them all the credit in the world, but like, can you be doing something else? And that's how it started. Like I knew I was going to play basketball in high school. I was a good shooter, but I, but if you um, try to guard me, you know, you take away my left, I can't dribble. Right. So, so, um, you know, it's time to look for, you know, other avenues. And I mean, sports has always been big with my family and coaching and officiating and, you know, just helping out when you can is, is, you know, what I've always done. So yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's humbling, so to speak, you know, it's humbling for me. It's, you know, and, uh, it's great. It's great. And, uh, I'm 43 years old, my body's kind of run down, but I'll still, I'll still do it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And listen, I, and I, and I think it's amazing. I think, you know, you underplay that a little bit of how difficult it is to, you know, do what you do. Um, and, and having, you know, something that's also, you know, like, you know, in a sense, like holding you back a little bit or making it a little bit tougher for you. So uh, to me, that was kind of an amazing part of your story. And when we conversated on the phone, the other aspect of it was, you know, we talked a little bit about, and you said it, um, did you feel like when you went for jobs, you had a little bit more to prove in a sense, like when you went into an interview, did you feel like, you know, I have a little bit more to say and a little bit more to prove and a little bit more to know. So people will take me seriously applying for these jobs. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, everyone gets nervous about an interview and they, you know, you always want to put your best foot forward. Um, but obviously, you know, when I walk into an interview, I walk in with a limp and um, you know, whether it be for, a coaching job or a regular job. I walk in with a limp. My um, right hand kind of just kind of floats in midair, as, as I call it. And, uh, you know, I mean, we as coaches, you know, we, um, you know, we, we always have something called the eye test, right? You know, you look at, you know, you go to a scout and you're like, oh man, this team's big, right? And we, and we, and we do it as people, you know, and we're like, oh, look at this guy, look at that guy. I, I'll be honest with you. I don't think I've ever passed an eye test. That's fine with me because sometimes the eye test, I mean, like, is it's just not true. You know, you get a six foot four, 240 pound lineman, right? When you see you warm up and then all of a sudden you're like, where's this kid? And he's sitting on the sideline, you know? Mm -hmm. So sometimes the eye test isn't true. And uh, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Um, I mean, luckily, you know, you know, um, so when I went to Whitman Hanson, you know, I was at Whitman Hanson for all those years. And then a couple of Whitman Hanson guys went over to Pembroke and I just kind of fought, I kind of rode their coattails for a year. And then I went back to Whitman Hanson and back to Pembroke and, and it wasn't anything, but, you know, at that point in time, you know, I, you know, I had done the volunteer thing from 1991 to 2004. And then I was actually finally offered a paying job. And I was like, and again, it's not about the pay for me, but it's, it's nice, you know, I mean, right now it's nice because, you know, it pays for my kids' Christmas gifts. Um, but, you know, and it, and it just came down to like, I don't want to say it came down to money, but it just came down, but like, it just came down to the fact that like, hey, someone's taking me serious. And um, yeah, it's tough. I'm not gonna, I can't, I can't tell you that it's not. Um, you know, I mean, I, I mean, a lot of a lot of people on the social shore know me as unofficial too. And it's, it's tough when you walk into to a gym or whatever and you, and you, and you walk with a limp or, 
you know, like I call swag, um, <laughs> you know, um, it's tough. It's definitely tough. Um, but you know, you got to try to prove yourself. And I mean, everyone proves yourself and, you know, I mean, everyone has to prove themselves, you know, one way or other, I get to work a little bit harder. Um, I think, but I mean, not saying that my fellow coaches don't work harder, but like, because I never played the game and that, that comes up a lot. Oh, um, you know, Hey, you never played the game. So I don't think I can offer you this job. I, and, and, and what have you, but you know, you got to work a little bit harder, a little bit more extra film study or, you know, Hey, you know, you know, Hey, I'll do that stat or I'll, I'll take the time to put this in the huddle or whatever. And, and it doesn't bother me because I just want to be accepted and I want to feel like I'm doing something, you know, I don't want to be there. There are a lot of assistant coaches out there that just, they're happy to be there, but they don't, but they don't have a duty. They just sit there on Friday nights and, and they want to just be there. So, Hey, I'm happy to just, you know, be yeah. one. And I know those coaches, they're, they're the fans. You know, I always say we, it's always Absolutely. a few staffs that always have a few fans that stand on the sideline. Um, and, and I think, like you said, no matter what, taking that beginning role seriously or whatever that role is that you have, being there and understanding the game and learning the game is really important because if you have aspirations to keep moving up and wanting to, you said, like be taken seriously or maybe get a coordinator position or, you know, coach a position that you really want to coach and you get the opportunity to do that, you got to kind of do the other grunt work first and learn the game and learn the process and learn like I say, being on the other side of the sideline, like not being the player who's in the game and active be, or being the person who's been a part of it for a really long time, but also understanding the program that you have in hands and, and understanding that and how your co head coach wants to really develop the program. Um, and, you know, in talking to you, I, I found a lot of different, I read the, it was an article in the Herald, article in this uh, sports ledger, um, phenomenal articles about you. And, and I'm definitely going to put a link to my, to my profile so people can read them and read a little bit more about you. But I pulled out two quotes in particular that I feel like summed you up pretty well, just from our pre-phone interview and, and talking a little bit now. Um, it seems like one thing that you, you've taken with CP is that you have a sense of humor about it. I um, mean, you don't, you're not out here saying, you know, I can't do anything in life. It's almost the opposite. Like you just want to work harder and grind harder and prove yourself as a person, which I love. Um, and, and you kind of had a joke in, in one of your quotes, you said, the two things that people notice right off the bat is my limp that I have on my right leg, which I like to call my swag, which you mentioned earlier yeah. when we were talking. And then my hand kind of floats like my wrist is always bent. Um, and you know, to me, it kind of showed your, your humor side to it. Am, am I correct to say that, that you are, you know, you kind of get ahead of it in the sense of you put out there, Hey, listen, I, I know I have something going on here and it's okay. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, sorry if I get a little emotional here, but I mean, when people say that I, I do get a little emotional, so I apologize, That's but, okay. um, yeah, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, one of my big things is if you can't laugh at yourself, who, you know, who can you laugh at? And, um, you know, I mean, I mean, so I make jokes all the time. My good friends get it. They give me some, you know, they give me jokes, you know, um, you know, there are some people that, you know, that don't like me making jokes and, uh, I get it. You know, my brother being one, he's, he, I mean, he, I mean, he's my brother's keeper, so to speak, you know, um, he's like, Oh, cut that out. And blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, um, uh, um, it's, 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 I mean, like, I mean, I could go through life and be like, woe is me, woe is me, but hey, this was the card I was dealt. 
and I get to play it, you know, and, um, you know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, when you ask for the other card, it's the Joker card. So, so you're going to just kind of play it, you know, you know, you can't always get the Ace of Spades or, or the, you know, King or whatever. And, uh, so I got this card and, um, once in a while you got to get a Joker in there and it's, it's a, it's a coping mechanism. I'll be honest, but it's, um, but I want people to realize like, I'm a real, like, I'm a real guy. Like, you know, I'm a, I'm a guy that just wants to be, um, you know, wants to be appreciated and a guy that wants to do well by his family, you know, um, you know, my two children, my wife, you know, my parents, my, my siblings. And, uh, it's, Hey, it is what it is, man. You gotta, yeah. you know, you gotta live life to the fullest. And, uh, you know, who, I mean, who knows, I might not be here next, you know, tomorrow, but I mean, Got to have some fun. Got to have some fun. Well, that's it. And I think what, what you alluded to, you just kind of said, you talked about your family a little bit because that's kind of the second quote that I, that sure. I pulled out of one of the articles as well. And I think of all days, Father's Day is today. Here we are talking about it and how significant it is being a dad. And this is something that really stood out to me reading this when I read it, you know, a few weeks back or a few months back. And then recently again, as I was prepping and, and obviously reading it now, I think this kind of also sums up the type of person that you are and maybe why you do have some sort of sense of humor about it, it says, um, I want my kids and people to realize that everyone's different. People with disabilities want to be included. And that's how it started. I wasn't able to play a game, but I found a way to stay involved and to be included. I mean, it's a really powerful message. And I think that's something that, that really hit home with me and just listening to that and reading that. Um, I mean, talk about, talk about that quote a little bit and, you know, just being a dad and, and, yeah. and, you know, trying to show your kid, Hey, you know what? It doesn't matter. I, I still do what I love and, and, and nothing's going to stop me. Sure. Um, so I've got two children, uh, Owen's seven and, uh, I got a daughter, Chloe, who's five. And, uh, I think it was last year, April, May, you know, during the pandemic, we're all home and, you know, Owen's big into whatever I'm doing. He wants to do, he's been on the sidelines with me, you know, prior to games, he wants to go to practices. He's been to some baseball practices with me and whatever. And, um, I just remember, playing catch with him and he at the time he was six and we're getting ready for the t-ball season and whatever and uh you know we're playing catch and like I told you I I play baseball like Jim Abbott so I catch with the with my left hand make a fist with my right slide the glove on and off boom, 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 and he asked me the question and I knew one day the questions were going to come now he understands that that his father has a bad hand my my daughter who's five understands Dad has a bad hand, bad leg. And uh, so the question was going to come and, um, you know, and, uh, and he's bright enough to realize what's going on, I think. Um, and, uh, you know, um, a few, few, few years ago, back in March, um, <clears throat> you know, on Facebook, I was, I was, I was brought, it was brought to my attention that cerebral palsy, March is cerebral palsy awareness month. And yeah. And I want to talk about this. This is great. So in yeah, the shirt, I want you to explain your shirt too. Cause I'm guessing if I read everything right, that is probably the shirt that you yeah, have on. So. Yeah. One of the shirts I have on. So uh, about five years ago, it was always, um, you know, oh, March is cerebral palsy awareness month. And uh, I would always make a joke, you know, every once in a while on Facebook and, um, talk and just be like, Hey, March is several palsy awareness month. Make sure if you see me out, buy me a beer. 
and, and that was always a joke. You know, like you said earlier, I tend to have a sense of humor. I, I like to do that. And I go to pubs and people are like, I got Ryan's beard, cerebral palsy month, or it's like, you know, it's just a joke to have fun with it. And some people will just be like, well, what are you talking about? Well, you know, after that question that I got from Owen last month and, and then all of a sudden, or, you know, last year, I should say, then roll around to this, this, this coming March and, and, um, and, um, and I was like, you know what, let's, let's, let's try something different here and be, and let's try to show Owen like, Hey, dad may be a little, you know, a little different, but he's still, you know, he's still a human being. He's still, he's still your father, but you know, there, and there's a lot of people out there that are willing to, so, you know, support me. So I, so I went to my wife and I said, Hey, you know, March is cerebral palsy awareness month. And she's like, yeah, don't worry. You're not getting any presents. You know, that's, you know, I always try to get a present out of it. Uh, but you know, she, but she never bites, you know? Uh, and I said, what do you think about me doing this? And I explained to her that on my Facebook, I wanted to, um, just write a daily post about, what it's like growing up with cerebral palsy. It might be something positive. It might be something that I, I that like an ad, some sort of adaptation I've made. You know, I remember writing something on the first day of football when the, the games came out and, you know, and it was, and it was really good. And, uh, you know, after like the first five or six, you know, I mean, I'm getting like likes and I'm getting comments and everything. And then I just, I kind of sat back and I said, I said to myself, am I flooding people's Facebook too much? You know, because we all can do that, you know, you know, about, you know, their comments about whatever, whether it be about, I mean, my comments are usually sports related about the Celtics or the Patriots, some people, pol politics, whatever, some people just throwing their junk on, on, uh, you know, you know, Hey, I got a free table or a free couch, you know, whatever. So, um, so, so I went to lunch that day with one of my good friends. His name's Dan Biggins, and he's the owner and operator of Magoon Biggins Funeral Home in Rockland, Mass. And I said, and Dan's like my, you know, he, you know, besides my parents and besides my wife, he's my go-to. It's like one of, he's one of my go-tos. And I sat down with him. We had lunch. I go, he's like, hey, I love what you're doing with these Facebook posts. And I said, I said, do you think uh, I'm flooding their people's pages? Because, you know, all of a sudden the likes start going down or, or, you know, I mean, I mean, I've said it, I'm sure you've said it. Oh, you know, there's Ryan again, posting about his cerebral palsy. And no, like, I mean, I don't think, yeah. And, and it's tough. Not, I get it. You're the one who's posting it. So you look at it like that. And I sometimes yeah. do that with my social media too, yeah. with this stuff, but you know, at the end of the day, you're making people aware of something that you you're going through and, and people aren't, I mean, unless somebody's made aware of something, a lot of times people aren't aware of how right. tough or difficult something is. So, right. yeah, I mean, I get it, but I wouldn't look at it like that for sure. Yeah. And you know, I wasn't trying to play like the pity card. Like I want all your pity. Cause that's not me. I'm just trying to make people aware, like little things that I can't do. Like, like I told you the other day, like I'd love to have a steak out, but I don't because I can't cut my own meat. You know, and uh, there's certain restaurants that will do it for me because they know who I am and, and what have you, you know, local restaurants I visit all the time, you know, or, or, you know, something like that, you know, I mean, so anyways, so, so then, then my, you know, my brain started thinking a little bit while I was with Dan and Dan and um, his father who has passed away, but had uh, Bob Biggins, who was the owner, 
of Magoons before that. Um, they'd always do donations and stuff like that, you know, for breast cancer and stuff. So I said, hey, Dan, here's a crazy idea. Would you be able to back it? And I said, you know, March is Cerebral Palsy Awareness Month. Normally in October, you know, teams are wearing pink for breast cancer. And, you know, I mean, I mean, you've, you've had it as a head coach. They want to wear pink arm sleeves oh, and yeah. pink ribbons and socks. And I said, what if we did a cerebral palsy awareness? And he's like, what are you thinking? I go, I don't know. I go, I just want to get back to the sport that's given me so much. And I said, I said, what if we just got t-shirts for, you know, situate football where, where I, where I'm currently at as a, as, as a Herb Divine statistician. And there's no one better than Herb Divine on the South Shore in terms of a great guy. You know, he's, yeah. he's just tremendous. So what if I, you know, I get 60, you know, 60 t-shirts for, you know, for the kids and then another 60 for uh, Whitman Hanson. Mike Driscoll is a good friend of mine, but you know, that's, that's my alma mater. That's where I got my start. It's, it's where I, you know, I mean, you, you saw the article. I still, even though I'm at Situate, I bleed red and black and Dan's an alma mater there. And he's like, let's do it. I said, you sure? He goes, yeah. So we had a couple of t-shirts made up with the, you know, like I just have like the Situate logo here on the left chest and uh, Dan's, you know, Dan's like, do you care if I put my logo on the back or something? I said, no, that's fine. You know, and to Dan's credit, he funded the whole thing. Um, and I was able to go down on actual cerebral palsy awareness day and hand out the t-shirts to uh, Situate football where I, so that was on a Thursday night and uh, you know, on practice and then Whitman Hanson, you know, didn't play that week, but they wore them the following week. And, um, and, you know, Situate football was great. I mean, the gridiron club, you know, so I go down there on the Thursday prior to game, the kids know me, but like, I don't go to every practice or anything like that. I'm just like the game day guy. I do a lot of stuff behind the scenes with the huddle. And, um, which is so important. I mean, yeah. oh, if yeah. I could have had a full-time huddle guy that just dedicated the huddle. That would yeah. make my life a million times easier. So don't underplay that role. That's, that's, no, no, that's important. I don't. And my wife knows Saturday mornings, you know, because like, you know, we put the post to huddle Friday, late Friday night, and I've already had a couple, you know, beverages or whatever, you know, with the, with the team. So like, you know, with the uh, coaches. And uh, so the next day, usually Saturday morning, I'm, I'm up at eight trying to input stuff because uh, coach divine wants to, show the film and he wants all the stuff in there. So I do that. And then like later on that night, I'll, I might go back and do the stats, you know, um, cause I got to put all the, like the terminology in, you know, and, you know, and coach divine's terminology is not simple either. But um, so on that Thursday night, prior to the game against Pembroke, actually um, we, you know, I went down, told my story a little bit and, um, and I, you know, the kids really took, took to it. And I don't, and then the, the following night, they all wore green socks and in my honor. And, um, I mean, I can't thank like her coach divine situate gridiron club. I mean, I mean, they, I mean, they put this all together. I had no idea. Like literally I was just going out to give t-shirts. Um, I was part of the coin flip. I mean, they made it a big deal, which it really neat, which it, did it really have to be? No, 
it didn't, it didn't have to be. Um, I appreciate it. I disagree. I disagree. And I say that, and I say that respectively because of the fact that one, you're spreading awareness about something that a lot of people are aware of, but they're not aware of, you know, they, they know what it is, but they don't understand it. And I think too, you've coached over 30 years and you know, you officiated and you officiated basketball, which is, you know, physically you're running up and down the court, making sure that you put yourself in the best position to be able to do that. So that, and, and that's not easy for you. So, um, you know, I think that you deserve that. And I think people recognize that. And it's cool because Situate, I think, is is blue and white. So um, green stands out. Green pops that, on those uniforms. So that's that cool. Great. I mean, I mean, again, like I started this campaign not for any, any um, you know, not to be self-promoting or anything like that. I mean, I enjoy my time at Situate. I mean, I can't wait to get back there um, in the fall. I, you know, I, I started this campaign to kind of make people aware of this and not just me as with cerebral palsy because cerebral palsy is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the fortunate ones, you know, I mean, I can walk, I can run, I can play with my kids. You know, there, they, you know, there are, there, there are people out there that are wheelchair bound that can't speak. And so I just felt like I needed that be a bigger voice than, being a joke, you know, joking Ryan all the time. I mean, it's fun, but you know, at some point in time, you got to like step up, you know, whether, you know, from assistant to the head coach. So maybe I'm the head coach for the fight against cerebral palsy. Now, maybe I was on, maybe I was a head coach or maybe I was a player on the, on the sidelines, but now I want to be a little bit bigger, you know, and uh, no, not me myself bigger, but make it aware. And it started with my kids and uh, started with Owen, you know, Owen's, and, and, and my wife, I mean, I mean, my wife is just, I mean, like I told you the other day, I mean, God bless her. I mean, I mean, she, um, you know, she, I mean, like I told you, you know, she was not dreaming at 12 years old that she was going to marry a person with cerebral palsy. That's for sure. I mean, I do have the looks like George Clooney. I get that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it's. You know, I mean, I mean, everyone's been so great and uh, it's, it's just, um, it's so humbling. It's so humbling. Yeah. And I think, you know, she looked beyond that. She's looking beyond that. She's looking at the person of who you are and, and what you are and what you represent. And I think that that's, I, I, I'm, listen, I don't know, I haven't known you very long, but I, I just talking to you and now talking to you again and, and seeing you in person, like, yeah, like it's, it's the type of person that you are for sure. And I think, you know, like I said, a place is like Situ and Situate's really interested in their sports. We had Matt Poirier here on a few months back, back the basketball coach. And I'll tell you, he, and I say this and I mean this, he's my most viewed episode I've ever had. Yeah, you know? And uh, people I heard from everywhere about him after I interviewed him about how respected he is and great he is and awesome that you got him on the show. So Situate loves their sports for sure. Yeah, uh, Matt. Matt. Matt's a great, a great coach. I know him, you know, pretty well because, like I said, I, you know, I officiate. I'm not, and I'm actually the president of uh, Board Fifty Four uh, last year and this year because of the uh, COVID. You know, we kind of put held everything in place, and uh, I was supposed to give Matt the IBO Board Fifty Four um, plaque that he received. I think it was last year or two years ago when when his son was still a senior, and um, and and unfortunately, I had a game that night, and as much as I wanted to give the, the you know, plaque, I was like, ah, you know, I, I think, I, and I, in fact, I think I was repping Hanover and Brian Fisher, which was one of your, yeah. like, I don't know you get, guess, Matt's a good dude, I mean, he's, uh, 
I, I mean, I really enjoy talking basketball with him. And he, I mean, he's got a ball of energy, a ball of yeah. energy. Now that award, that's like the officiating award to, for, for a coach that like kind of conducts themselves in their program. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And okay. try to give it to like a, 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 you know, deserving coach around the area, you know, something, you know, and we, you know, we have a couple other awards that we give team awards and, you know, for um, sportsmanship and we give a, an official award, an award as like uh, someone who's given back to the board the most and, and stuff like that. So, well, it's Matt, funny. Yeah. Cause Matt Poirier got it, but then I had a guest on, I want to say early January, February and Matt Freeman, who yeah. was at Bishop Fien, who won that award when he was at Fien. Um, yeah. So it's funny how many guests you're actually connected to on the show. It's amazing. I know. Actually. I, mean, I mean, board 54. I mean, I mean, they do just, I mean, this is only, so I've been on the, I've been a referee for over 20 years. I started like 2000 and um, I just started getting on the executive board the last few years and um, they were good, but I mean, I mean, I mean, the executive board's good and uh, board 54 does a lot to promote the game of basketball, which is, which is really good to see, you know? That's awesome. Um, yeah. And I, it, it's crazy. Just like I was saying, like playing, like connect the dots with a lot of these guests, you really, and even a lot of some of the other guests that we haven't even mentioned that you've coached. I mean, you've ref some of their games. So yeah. Uh, it was pretty cool to hear how many guests you were really kind of connected to on the show in a way. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm hoping that they don't comment about calls that I missed or whatever. <laughs> I mean, I guess I could blame the cerebral palsy for that, but I just won't, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, we'll see. We'll see if they write in being like, I know him as a ref. Oh my God. Right. Um, and so, you know, to me, I, I like to always kind of end the show on a couple, you know, questions that, you know, I typically ask a lot of guests because I love the variety of answer and never get the same answer. But, you know, what would be your advice to young coaches out there? And I'll even just tag along maybe a young coaches out there who might be going something similar to what you've gone through or may have some sort of physical disability that sure. may make the job tougher. What would be some advice or words of wisdom that you think you would give them um, in pursuing what, what, what they want to do? Don't be in a rush. That's don't be in a rush. Just learn. And, uh, you know, there's always something to do. There's always something to do. There's, there's stuff that we miss as coaches all the time. Like, you know, Hey, you know, you got this, Oh no. Or, you know, we left that at the school, whatever. Don't be in a rush. I mean, I mean, I mean, I think, um, you know, I think the biggest thing for me is because of my cerebral palsy, I'm, I'm very structured. I'm very structured because, you know, I don't have use of my, my right hand all that, all that often, you know, I mean, I, I can use it, but like, I mean, I've got, I've got like three or four clipboards in my briefcase with, with offensive stats, defensive stats, stats for the papers, stats for this. And I go through that like the night before, then I double check it, like before I get, before I leave. And, and people see me walk in with like, like a backpack and, and then a briefcase and a computer. And, and, and I mean, because I don't have use of my right arm, you know, I mean, it, it I mean, it functions, I can do things, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a good golfer, but I mean, I'm not great, but, but I can do things, but like, Clipboards and, and backpacks have literally saved my life, so to speak. It gives me that second hand, you know, just like for you guys. But I mean, like everyone has a backpacker, but I, I usually carry two or three sometimes. And it's, uh, and they're like, like, what are you leaving home? I'm like, no, this is just how I have to do it. And they, and, and they get it. But, um, but to young coaches, don't be in a rush, man. Like just learn and don't be in a rush for a title. You're, you're a title, you know, I mean, 
I mean, no one's going to just jump up as a head coach or title. Everyone starts somewhere and everyone's going to start off an assistant. You know, I mean, my, I mean, my first, first coaching thing, I was like coaching peewee football and peewee basketball and it was just for fun. And then I kind of learned and, and with the, you know, um, with, with Bob and Ron and now her, I mean, I'm still learning. I'm 43 years old. I've been around the game for quite a bit, but I'm still learning things from, um, Herb Devine and Micah Bainey down at Situated. And, you know, and, you know, we were talking the other day, just in T-ball, you know, uh, you know, we had T-ball like yesterday was our last day. And, and, and we all got together after and we're just talking and, uh, it's like, oh yeah, I stole that drill. Oh yeah, well I stole that drill. And Ryan, I've stole like five drills from you because you know you've coached baseball and you know, and it's you know, just learn, sit back and learn. I mean, I'm I'm still doing it. You know, it's it's fun. And you know, I'll I'll always learn. I mean, never stop learning and don't be in a rush. That's and uh, you know, you know, with someone with a disability, man, you know, don't let someone shoot you down. I've I've had people shoot me down. Um, it's not fun. I've had people tell me, oh, yeah, you know, after being a coach on their staff, oh, no, I, I think I'm going to let you go because you've never played the game. And I'm like, well, that's kind of that, that's kind of bad because you know why I can't play the game. And right. but, you know, don't be in a rush and have fun. I mean, I always tell myself I'll step away when I'm not having fun. I've been at it for 30 years, like a lot of these guys. And granted, like not major roles like head coach or whatever, but. I'm still around. I still want to go out and on Friday nights and chart plays. I mean, it's not the glorious job in the world, you know, but yeah. you know, I don't get to call an offensive play. I don't get to call a defensive play, but I still want to be around. So have fun with it. Absolutely. And I, and I think that that's great advice. I mean, you know, it, young coaches think sometimes don't realize that it doesn't matter like when you start out or what your job is like, you're going to always be the bottom of the barrel and that's how you got to learn. I think sometimes you get coaches out there that might've played the game or played in college and want to come in and do more. And I can understand that and respect that. Um, but there's just so much you need to learn um, from a behind the scene perspective, how to deal with kids and balance everything and um, learn, learn, learn. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, and obviously with coaching, even at a young age comes sacrifice and comes, you know, you're in your high school days, you're spending Friday nights, you know, being a statistician for a team where most kids are in the stands, hanging out with their friends, doing whatever, same thing when it gets to college age, same thing in your early twenties, late twenties, you know, you're sacrificing and you're, you're, you're putting yourself around sports. I mean, talk about the sacrifice and commitment you maybe make in life a little bit to be able to balance and do all the things that you love and enjoy so much. Yes. The sacrifice is, is unreal. I mean, like, I mean, you, I mean, especially now, now that I'm a father of two um, and, you know, my wife, Erica, you know, she's a self, you know, she's, she's an ER nurse at South shore and she works the three 12 hour shifts at, and she works seven P to seven A. So, you know, with the pandemic hitting like um, last year, you know, we decided like uh, that I was going to be, that I had to stay home because, you know, my son was doing hybrid model. My, my daughter was doing three days a week at, at a preschool. So, and, you know, and her schedule's not always like Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, or, you know, I mean, she's working the next four days. She worked last night, she's working tonight, you know, and she's sleeping during the day. Uh, yeah. The sacrifice is huge. I mean, I can't, I mean, there's a lot of nights that my wife is home alone with these guys if I'm repping or if I'm coaching, 
Um, you know, I mean, we, there's times I've had to get babysitters and I mean, luckily, you know, I'm, I'm in a neighborhood and that has a lot of kids that will babysit or, you know, I've got some coaching friends that have daughters that are babysitters and, you know, it's, it's huge. I mean, I mean, there's, and I mean, I mean, coaching with Ron, 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 I love him. The six day a week job with Ron and, you know, I was missing karate, you know, karate belt tests or, you know, T-ball games in the spring because I was coaching baseball. And I remember having to go somewhere out West and, you know, the bus was leaving at seven for a 11 o'clock game. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's tough, but, you know, I mean, every, all the coaches that I've been brought up around, Bob Fancroft did it, you know, Pat Forbes, you know, and when you ask their kids or when they say, I'm going to give it up to watch you, their first thing is no, because we know you as not only dad, but we know you as coach. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited because to go back to situate because Owen's seven, he runs around thinking he's the next Tom Brady or, you know, whatever. And he loves being around it last year because of the pandemic he couldn't but i'm i'm excited to have him around you know hopefully you know maybe he can be a water boy or a ball boy or something because it's yeah. it's nothing you know and uh it's it's a it's a sacrifice man i mean you know you i mean you're a, i mean you were a head coach so that's a lot more you know i mean watching films like i told you saturday morning i'm up seven o'clock or or my alarm goes off and i'm like oh i gotta go do these things and and I, I, I could get another half an hour sleep or, you know, I'm doing them before we go to soccer or something, you know, and it's like, cause I don't want, because the last thing I want to do is let my head coach down, you know? Yeah. You yeah. Know? And, I, and I get that. I get that Friday night into Saturday morning. And sometimes you don't even sleep because you just, you're watching film because you know what you have coming up next week, or you just got to figure out what happened that night, you know, that right. you maybe exactly. didn't play that well. Exactly. Um, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll say this, Ron, Ron, Ron St. George always says, he he hates the Saturday afternoon games because it'd be like you lose a day. Yeah, I mean, like I mean, but you know, let's say you play at one, games over at three, you lose. Now you're like at four o'clock. You know, you're I mean, four o'clock. You're upset, and that whole night, you know, you're that whole night. You're thinking, you know, you know, the Friday night games are great because you know you nine o'clock game ends, you lose, you go out have a pizza you know, uh, cold beer, whatever. And then, I mean, yeah, you're upset, but like you get away for a little bit, but usually the four o'clock after, you know, I'm not going out. I'm going back to my family. And, and like, you know, some people say, Oh, I'm so mad. I could kick the dog. I I don't do that, but you know, it it weighs on you. It does. And you're not focused. And even though you're home physically, you're not home mentally. I I listen, I get it. (laughs) I think the other people and, and what people don't understand about my job, Anthony, is my job doesn't end once the clock hits zero. I mean, you can talk to the situated athletic director. I'm, I'm in, in the school or doing something. I got to call the Herald. I got to call the Globe. I got to, you know, tweet things out, you know. So, like, 20 minutes, 30 minutes after the game, I'm still doing stuff. And my, and my coaching staff, who've done a tremendous job, they're already on the road to go get that. Cold, cold beer and pizza, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I, and I get it. And there's that sacrifice with it. And like you said, it's that extra stuff that when the game's over and the lights are out, you know, you're in the school, you got to wait for every kid to leave and every kid has a ride and yep. you're uploading film and you're already looking at it. And you're in your case, calling the papers to give them the score and the stats. I mean, there is a lot behind it. I learned from Serge Clavio for a long time and the work that guy put into it, especially after a game and so on. Yeah. You're totally yep. right. Coach. And, uh, that's going to take us to our last segment here, which is our two minute drill, our famous two minute drill. Um, we're going to rapid fire questions at you. Um, I, I, I revealed the secret last week that I actually don't even really have a timer, but I pretend I set one anyways, because I, you need one. Right. So um, I have a, a slew of questions here for you and I'm really excited. One or two word answers. I get a booth review if I want to. Um, you get the same thing. If you want to explain something a little further and then uh, away we go. Sounds good. Absolutely. All right, here we go. So I'll start off with Brady versus the Patriots week four. Who's winning? Ooh, uh, I'm going to have to say Brady. I mean, the, the, I mean, the talent's just too much. It's, it's good. It's, it's early. It's early season game. It's an early season matchup. NFL's pretty smart. Uh, be a, so, <laughs> be a good stat game for me. Yeah, hey, there you go. <laughs> Song that still gets you pretty pumped up or juiced up before a game starts. Oh, um, ACDC back in black or uh, Phil Collins in the night. I love it. I love it. Okay. I never get the same answer. That's why I love this question so much. Uh, Favorite Boston athlete growing up. Favorite Boston athlete growing up. Larry Bird. Larry Larry Bird. Bird. I got Robert Parrish last week. So this is good. I love it. The the old eighties basketball, original big three. Uh, Proudest moment of coaching you've ever had. Proudest moment of coaching. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I mean, I'd, I'd have to say this, I mean, where it's not, it's coaching, but it's not this thing that just took off this month or the last few months. I mean, and again, it's not about me. It's about my message and didn't think it blow up into an article with the Herald or a podcast with you or whatever. I mean, this is pretty cool. Yeah. And if you guys haven't checked out his Facebook, I know he talked about it earlier, but check it out. Just you know, read the stuff that he writes. And if you haven't read the articles, again, I'll link them so you guys can read them. But this is what put you know him on my map. And just the more I heard about him and the references that I had, the call. And um, yeah, yeah, you're an amazing guy. But let's finish this first, and then we'll, right. we'll wrap that up. Um, one word to describe your coaching style. Uh, passionate. Okay. Team you wanted to beat in the CCL the most when you were there from 2012 to 2018? Ooh, um, Fenwick, Dave Woods. I mean, Dave doesn't yeah. know. I mean, I know Dave a little bit. I mean, I've I've introduced myself. He doesn't know who I am, but he, I mean, he's a, such a great guy. Yeah. But they were always the you know the the you know Rufus Russians and all those oh. guys. I mean, they're great teams. It's nothing against them. It's just yeah. they're great teams. Rufus was oh my god, I had to deal with him quite a bit. <laughs> tough, tough, tough kid. Um, yeah. and Dave's a great coach. He's tough to yeah. go against. You got to be ready. You got to be on your toes. I agree. Fenwick is in, in these last few years. They've been a monster. Um, and, and last question: twenty twenty one NBA champions this year will be. Well, if you're an NBA fan, you gotta, you know, you gotta root for the Hawks. I think they're awesome. Trey Young, John Collins. I mean, do I think they're gonna be the champions? I, I'd either say the Hawks or the or uh, Phoenix would be my pick. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm rolling with Phoenix at this point. I, you know, yeah. It'd be nice to see a young team that ended the bubble well, came out, and yeah. just has been electric this year. So uh, I agree. Coach, you've survived the two-minute drill. And, and, and I want to thank you for coming on here. I know I've said it just a little bit earlier, and I said it before at the top of the broadcast. It just This was an episode that I was really looking forward to. I think your message is extremely powerful. And, again, for you guys out there that haven't checked out Ryan Cadres, look us up his Facebook. Um, look at what he is spreading. Look at what he is doing. Um, you know, he, he is definitely a, a voice for not only people with CP, but just people with, um, you know, that want to be involved in things and don't think they can be. And, and Ryan is a motivation to, to people that, that they can do anything they want. And, um, and I'm really honored to have you on here today. Well, thank you very much. And like I've been saying, I'm no one special, just someone that wanted to, uh, spread the word. Yeah. Well, you've done an amazing job and, uh, I guess I were honored to have you on here today. So from Beyond Podcast, I'm your host, Anthony Petrellis, uh, Ryan Cadres. Till next time. Thank you very much.